The stuff that happens that some of you don't see, Spence and I were both, our heads were exploding because we thought there was audio with that video, but apparently we were mistaken. Um, (laughs) Just go with the flow. Um, Obviously, I've emphasized repeatedly throughout the season of Advent, I just mentioned it a few moments ago in prayer, a season of anticipation, a season of expectation. Uh, We've already looked at things like finding hope in our uncertainties. And as I said, this has certainly been a time when we've had our share of uncertainties, just like the first Christmas. Finding peace in our struggles, and just like the first Christmas, uh, we've had our share. And most of us are saying, oh yeah, I could list them. Finding joy in our discouragements, and just like the first Christmas, we've had our share And if you didn't hear all of those messages in speaking about uncertainties struck a chord for you or struggles or discouragement, I encourage you to just go back and listen. Not because what I have to say is all that, but because most of those were filled with Scripture, and Scripture is all that. And it can speak to our uncertainties, it can speak to our struggles, and it can speak to our discouragements. So they're out there. I can help you find them on our church website, sermon.net app. It's just out there. Uh, Today we're going to look, we've looked at different people throughout the story, and today we're going to look at the whole cast of Christmas, and we're going to talk about uh, love united and the whole idea of finding love in our differences. And when we boil it down, that's kind of the essence of what Christmas is all about. In a time when there is so much division on so many different fronts, it is imperative that we rediscover the power of love that Christmas has to unite us. Consider briefly the diverse cast of characters that were brought together by the love of Christ through the Christmas story. We looked uh, at Zechariah and Elizabeth, and as I think about Zechariah, they were... Uh, to, I don't know if it's not, it's probably not politically correct, but since I'm in that category, uh, they were very old, uh, to say the least. Uh, they represent the old. They represent the prophets of old. They represent the covenants of Israel's past. And you contrast them with Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph were at the opposite end of the spectrum. They were very young. They were just starting on their journey together as husband and wife and as parents. They point to a new spiritual future and the fulfillment of the promised Messiah. So on one end, you have those who have longed their entire lives for the fulfillment of the Messiah, have longed their entire lives for the gift of a child to raise as their own. And then you have the very young who weren't even longing yet for a child of their own. And God said, guess what I've got for you? Uh, They represent the past spiritual heritage and represent uh, the fulfillment of hope. Then we have the angels. Um, In the midst of this crazy story that we read in Scripture, we have these otherworldly spiritual beings from heaven who show up. So we got the old, we've got the young, And then heavenly beings show up and contrast that with the next characters, the shepherds. So the shepherds were very worldly. If the angels were otherworldly, the shepherds were very worldly. And that's not to be disrespectful of them. But hey, they were men who lived off the land, who were gritty, dirty, doing what needed to be done. They were earthly beings, the extreme opposite of these angelic heavenly beings 
who may have never been dirty in their entire divine existence, or not divine, in their entire celestial existence. And then you have the shepherds who, being dirty was just kind of a way of life. Common everyday people contrasted with these heavenly beings. And then, again, if you grew up with the Christmas story, sometimes we don't question it. But have you ever just wondered, what's up with the animals? I mean, if you've ever been to a children's Christmas pageant, there were animals. And many of the ones we did in our history, it was all about the animals. We did the mice, and we did the the lamb, and we did all the different characters. And it's like, so we've got heavenly beings, we've got earthly beings, and then we've got animals. I mean... This incredibly unique connection between heaven and earth is played out for an audience of barnyard animals. Why? I, I don't have an answer. You'll have to look that up for yourself. Uh, but then, uh, but then we throw in the magi from heaven to earth, from animals to common everyday men to mysterious wealthy visitors from a far away land to the east. Gentiles coming at great personal investment, expense, and risk to worship a Jewish Messiah. Friends, I don't think you can get a much more diverse crowd. All for God to teach us something about finding love in our differences. I know I said it before. I know I just said it a matter of moments ago. But just like many, perhaps most, perhaps all of you, I have been deeply troubled by the rampant divisions that surround us. I find myself wondering at times, what am I doing to contribute to the division? And what am I doing to overcome it? This week I even started reading a book that I've referenced a while back called Christians in an Age of Outrage. And I just want to say, not that I'm worried that Ed Stetzer will ever listen to my sermon, because he's the author, but I was outraged by the book. Because I'm only a couple chapters in, and I was wanting to read this book to understand how messed up everybody else was. Guess what I'm finding I'm part of the problem. I'm contributing to the outrage. I prefer to be outraged by other people. I don't want to think that I'm the one that's a part of the problem. I haven't finished the book yet, but I'm going to. Because I understand I need to wrap my head around it. As I worked through to put the finishing touches on this message... I found it both comforting and convicting to think that the love represented by the birth of Christ could bring together such a diverse cast of characters, angels, shepherds, animals, wise men, young people, old people, people at all stages of life. The birth of Christ brought them all together and in the process transformed them for all of eternity. 
And I just have to ask myself and I ask you, if he could do that then, do we believe that he can do it now? And I will just say, I really want to, but I'm not sure I believe it yet. Red and blue, black and white, wealth and poverty, Trump and Biden, and your blood pressure just went up, didn't it? (laughs) Democrat, Republican, mask, no mask, vaccinate, no vaccinate, Christian, non-Christian. If the story were today, who do you suppose would be called together around the manger? Sobering, isn't it? Pray with me. Don't close your eyes, though. Look up at the screen. Pray it if you dare. Father, help me to rediscover Christmas in a way that inspires and empowers me to find love in our differences. Now, those of you that have been on the faith journey for a while know that that was a lot like praying for patience. (laughs) Okay? You just threw down the gauntlet. I I vented to several of you uh, about an experience I had this week in the drive-thru line. Some of you have noticed that fast food lanes tend to not be fast food lanes right now because everybody's in there. I was in a hurry, first mistake, going through a drive through line when you're in a hurry. I was really hungry, which sometimes makes me a little cranky. I know Dan's shocked by that. But anyway, um, and the line was progressing fairly well, but we're about 20 minutes in. And I've placed my order. There's one car between me and fulfillment. All right. After waiting in line for 20 minutes, I look ahead and the person at the window is now looking for their purse. Once they find their purse, they begin to look for their credit card and look for their credit card and look for, I was ready to run up and pay for it myself. All right. Father, help me rediscover Christmas in a way that inspires and empowers me to find love in our differences. Now, friends, I shared a disgustingly benign example, but you know where that really hits the road for you. Once again, as I've said before, I'm pretty sure I don't have the words of my own to explain how to find love in our differences. And even if I did, they would be subject to your acceptance or your rejection. If I said, this is what you need to do, here are five steps to find love in our differences, you could argue with every one of those steps. Not that you would, because you all love me, and but you could argue with everything I proposed. So instead, I'm going to focus on some of what the Word of God says under three different headings. It'll be up to you what you do with his word. You know, reject my words all you want. Don't even lose any sleep over it if you think it's necessary. But you deal with him if you choose to reject his word. I'm just saying. 
Christ is love embodied. An incredibly familiar passage. First uh, John chapter 4, great expression of what love embodied looks like. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Once again, a reminder, it all starts with him. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, just back up a little bit here. I, I'm stating the obvious. <clears throat> Everyone, excuse me, let us love one another, for love comes from God. It's his love. That's what Jesus came to bring to us. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So is it fair to work back from that and say, if I don't love, have I not been born of God? And do I not know God? Just a thought. Whoever does not love does not know God. Oh, there we go. Whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That's what it's all about. Backdrop of the manger. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Friends, that's love in our differences. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father sent sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Christ is love embodied. And that means as Christ dwells in me, I need to increasingly, in spite of differences, embody that love. Again, I'm only speaking for myself here, but that stretches me. That tells me at times I need a kick in the pants and an attitude check. Love defines and propels us. Love defines and propels us. Again, this is from the gospel according to John. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. John chapter 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Just humor me. How high does that set the bar? If I'm supposed to love others as a command the way he loved me. Now, Just humor me here under this heading of finding love in our differences. Just think about your unredeemed state. All right. You independent of the transforming power of the Christ. How different are you from him? Could you be any more different than Jesus? I'm not saying you guys aren't great people. But in your human state, could you be any more different than Jesus? Yet, 
He loved us. And he loved us even though or because we were really, really different. And now he challenges, excuse me, he commands me to do that. My head's exploding just saying that. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, again, I'm picking on me because it's comfortable and it's easy and I'm picking on something benign. But if you were sitting next to me in my car at Arby's drive-thru as I was venting about this woman looking for her credit card, would I be much of a disciple in your eyes at that moment? I'm just saying. Finding love in our difference. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Gosh, I'm just, I'm just asking, how is my life defined by the love that God revealed on Christmas morning? How is my life defined by the love of God that was revealed on Christmas morning? Okay, I mean, that's kind of a warm fuzzy, because who doesn't feel warm and fuzzy about Christmas? How is my life defined by the love that God, the love of God that was revealed on Calvary. Does that define my life? And then that's the defining part. How does that love propel me in my relationships with others? How does that love propel me in my relationship with those who are like me and those who are different? How does that love propel me with regard to those with whom I agree and those with whom I disagree? Then finally, love empowers us to cross the borders. Again, humor me. If you think about the life of Christ for even a few moments, reflecting back on some of the stuff you heard in Sunday school or vacation Bible school or other people talk about, it's hard to deny that Jesus was all about crossing borders and breaking down barriers. He broke down, literally, he broke down the barrier between heaven and earth. He broke down the barrier. He crossed the border between divine and human. In all of creation, no one has ever done that but him. He broke down the barriers between, or he crossed the borders between Jews and Samaritans and Jews and Gentiles. He crossed the borders between male and female. In his culture, men didn't view women highly. Yet he sought them out. He engaged them in spiritual conversations when other men didn't do that kind of thing. Proper men didn't do that kind of thing. He crossed those borders. He crossed the borders between healthy and sick. The sick people, Diana Patton brought it up at our board meeting, the sick people that other people avoided, he crossed the borders to reach out to. 
the borders between adults and children. Remember, they were bringing children to him, and the disciples said, oh, don't bother Jesus with the kids. Jesus said, what? I'm all about the kids. You old people, figure it out for yourselves. He broke down the barriers. He crossed the borders between the wealthy and the poor, between the saints and the sinners. Jesus, why are you all the time hanging out with those dirt bags when us church folks are over here? He crossed the borders between the righteous and the demoniacs, or the demons. It gets in my head a bit when I consider my temptation to cross the street to avoid someone I don't want to engage. I'm just saying. Love empowers us to cross the borders. A little bit of scripture here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard it, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And friends, you all know what's coming next, all right? But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. A love that crosses borders. Just think, and again, just think about all that divides us. And, dear Lord, please help those foolish people to see the world the way I see it, and all will be right with the world. Right? You know? Just saying. It's a familiar story, I know, but I'm going to read it. Luke chapter 10. In reply, again, the question was, who are my neighbors, all right? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Didn't the, I just say something about crossing the road? Uh, I forgot I was going to read this passage. I wouldn't have said that because that's embarrassing. Um, A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Instead of rendering aid, he passed by on the other side because this person was different. All right. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now, this was a man who was crossing racial barriers, extreme baggage to cross the road, and render aid to this person. When the people who were of the same tribe as this man passed by, left him there suffering. Love crosses borders. Finding love in our differences. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him. He said, he's not ready to travel, but I've got to move on. And he said, when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Finding love in our differences. And then back to First John chapter 4. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. How awesome would it be to rediscover Christmas 
by finding love in our differences. I will just tell you, I wish I could say that I've got this one all figured out. But I surely don't. But I'm taking two things away from working on this message. First, because of the love revealed on Christmas morning, I take away the assurance that it is possible to find love in our differences. If God could bring together heaven and earth, young and old, animals and people, rich and poor, and gather them around the the manger, gathering them around the Christ child, and transform them, then I feel confident that it's possible. Do I feel like I'm close? Mm, No. But I believe it's possible. I take away also the assurance that I've got more work to do. I I mean, I'm not a bad person for saying i got work to do. None of us are. It's only a problem if we don't think we've got work to do and God thinks we've got work to do. So, here's my prayer for you. And you can close your eyes, but I'm going to pray Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 and 19 over you. And I pray that you, you gathered here at Caring Community Church on Sunday, December 20th, 2020, in the ongoing drama of a global pandemic, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Fathers, we continue in an attitude of prayer. I cannot help but believe that because of what you did on Christmas morning and because of what you did through the cross at Calvary, that as we are filled to the measure of all the fullness of the love that you want to pour into us, we cannot help but be ever increasingly likely to find love in our differences. And Father, if ever, if ever there was a time in my lifetime when that needed to happen, it's today. If ever there was a time in my lifetime when it needed to happen in my heart, it's today. And Father, I, maybe I'm the only one who needed to hear this. But if there are others, then I simply pray that you'll stir in their heart. And you'll help each one who feels prompted by you to just take one tiny step to cross a border and find love in our differences. Thank you, Father. Amen.